Did you know that your dad was out there hobnobbing with all the celebrities this this whole time? I hope you got some of the perks too. <laughs> a little bit. I've grown up with my dad's company and I've seen all of the accolades and the big stuff that's been going on and, you know, photo shoots and stuff with like Kobe and Shaq and you know, some big time athletes. It's been such a fun, fun ride to, to be able to learn from the master as I call it. <laughs> Welcome to the Art of Custom from Hibbs Homes. Sponsored by Pella Window and Doors and Ferguson Bath Kitchen and Lighting Gallery. Welcome to season five of The Art of Custom. In this first episode, we are talking sports. Dale and Scott Hendrickson from TD Sports West join us to discuss custom sport courts. We talk about everything from residential basketball and pickleball courts to building sport courts for Hollywood movie sets. Enjoy. Hi, everyone, and welcome to Season 5 of The Art of Custom. My name is Kim Hibbs. I'm the host of the show, also owner of Hibbs Homes. We're a custom home builder in the greater St. Louis area and also have an office in northern Utah. Alongside, as always, is Melody Miner. Melody is our director of marketing, and she's also co-host of the podcast. Melody, can you believe Season 5 is here? We've really been looking forward to this. We have. And after last season, doing all those cool design episodes. Mm -hmm. I'm really excited to kind of dig a little bit further into some of the stuff that we even learned ourselves, you know, psychology of design when we talked with Bill Van Sickle. That just fascinated me. And so we're going to talk a little bit about that this season. Um, and we're going to get more into green home building because we are getting so much interest on our website. Mm -hmm. And that's one of the reasons that we've gone down the path of um, Hibbs Healthy Homes, which I know is something that we're launching. And we'll be talking about it as the podcast goes on as well. But it's been a fast four seasons. It's been a fun four seasons. As you mentioned, we're really looking forward to season five. We have just a great number of loyal listeners across the country, many, uh, many people who really are, are taking an interest in custom home building. And really, that's why we're here. That's what this is all about. We want to help educate those who are thinking about building a custom home or might be interested in learning about building a custom home and using this information and being able to turn that into building a, a dream home of their own with some of the great builders across the country. Absolutely. And there are so many knowledgeable and passionate people in this industry. Mm -hmm. It's been really fun to talk to a lot of the different folks all over the country. And that's one of the reasons I, I truly love being associated with the local Home Builder Association, past president back in, in 16 and 17. But I'm also a trustee for the National Association of Home Builders. I get to, a chance to go two or three times to our different meetings different parts of the country, talk to many different builders. So we invite our listeners to use us as a resource because if you're looking for more information about building, if you're looking for a custom builder, feel free to reach out to us, use us as a resource because we want nothing more than to help our loyal listeners build their dream home sometime. I mean, as a matter of fact, our guest that we're going to talk to in just a minute, you found through the NH. I did. I so. did. It was it was really amazing, amazing conversation. And we are going to get to that pretty quickly here. Yeah, but we have some stuff that's been going on just recently. I mean, yeah. Yesterday, there was some news that came out that was a little bit heart-stopping. So, um do you want to share the bad news? Yeah, it's 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 eye-opening, heart-stopping, absolutely. And and you know, it, it really puts where we are in the industry into perspective. Um, I mentioned the National Association of Home Builders. They have a chief economist. They do a really good job of understanding where the market is, where the market's going, where the trouble spots are, etc. And there was a report that was published that year over year, 
that the cost of construction materials, now this is materials only, does not include labor, and that's what make this, makes this even more sobering. Prices are up nearly 20% year over year. And then if you go back to the beginning of the pandemic, Melody, construction material prices are up 36%. And again, that doesn't factor in labor. My take is, because I know what's going on kind of nationally and locally, you might be up as much as 50% since the pandemic started. Those are the sobering numbers that you're mentioning. The construction material cost, that comes from demand, but also just not having items, right? Yeah, a lot of it's supply chain related. A lot of it is demand related. It's kind of a combination of both. It's that perfect storm that I think everyone speaks of. And so it's it's the reality of where we are. I know that we work very hard with our clients trying to understand their budget up front, then trying to really design their home, their dream home to their budget. The money's just not going as far as it used to. So we're having to work even harder to to simplify in some cases to help them understand the real need to make sure that their selections fall within industry standards. But you know what? That's what a good builder partner is supposed to do. They're supposed to help you navigate these rough waters and and achieve your ultimate dream. So this is still a good time to build a home. I mean, we're talking about some sobering numbers, but if you put your team together, the architect, the builder, and work toward your goal, you still can build and build successfully in this market. Because even if you want to buy a used home. Mm-hmm. I love that term. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Some people say existing, but but in our industry, we do. We call them used homes, like yeah. used cars. Yeah, you're still paying 30% over. You are. Pay, so. Yeah, and that's another sobering number since we're talking about it. I'm glad you brought that up because I, I was reading recently that the, the Realtor Association posted that used homes, if you can find a used home, because many of them aren't on the market because people are not willing to sell because they don't want to go out and pay the premium prices. But yeah, existing homes, used homes, their prices are up nearly 30% as well across the country. So an interesting time in which we live and part of the other challenge we're facing now are interest rates are going up. They're not quite double where they were even a year ago, maybe a little bit more than a year ago. But so we're feeling some pressure there as well. Most of our clients have gone away from that 30-year fixed, which was really popular, and that's where, where everybody, everybody was finding their kind of their comfort zone. So now what our go-to lenders are doing are, are saying, hey, look, 10-year arms are still a very good rate. Let's get you into a 10-year arm while you build your house. And then sometime within the next 10 years, we all know the inflation is going to subside interest rates are going to back off a little bit. And once that happens, then you can go ahead and and refinance and look for that 30-year fixed loan. I mean, we all know the value of having a home that is exactly what we need Mm -hmm. after being stuck at home for so long. So it's nice to know that there are solutions for the interest. But there's also some things that we can do. And I know we talked about this as a team to kind of keep some of those construction costs down and still do custom and get what you want. And it was bringing your builder on board first, which mm-hmm. I feel like we're, we may be preaching to the choir at season five at this point, but um, having your builder on first before your architect, but um, also the selections team kind of helping, you know, where are you going to prioritize your budget? I've heard people, you know, oh, we're going to do, you know, just these basic finishes up on that upper level. And then, you know, in a few years after we've lived there, 
go through and upgrade the carpet, you know, and things like that so that you can spend a little bit more money in other areas. And that's really where it comes down to feeling comfortable with and having an experienced team that you're working with. And that includes a designer. We happen to have in-house designers. Some builders don't. I strongly recommend having a designer. If you think about it this way, a lot of times people are, might say, well, I don't need a designer. I can do this myself. But to your point, the designer specifically can save you tens of thousands of dollars, maybe even more throughout a construction project because they can source materials at better pricing. They know where to go. They know, you know, the, the ins and the outs of the industry. So you, you also have to understand that in this day and age where we are facing supply chain shortages with things like appliances and siding and windows, the order in which things have to be ordered for your construction project have changed too. So the industry, it's totally different than it was a couple of years ago. Highly recommend that you do put your team together up front, work with an experienced builder, uh, get a designer on board, be honest with them what your budget is up front. And then everybody has that common goal of delivering you your beautiful dream home within that budget. Well, and when we were on break from recording the podcast, we did stop in and talk with one of our architects here in St. Louis about value engineering your home's design. And so we're going to throw a link to that YouTube video up in our show notes as well so that you guys can listen to that conversation because there's a lot of value in that as well. Value engineering is a term that uh, many builders and and many clients are starting to uh, to really hear a lot these days, but it's critical because when you design that house the first time, you never know where it's going to come in as far as the price until you actually put it out for bidding and budgeting and everything else. So a lot of times when those uh, the budget is put together, you will have to what we call value engineer, which is you look at the house and you decide, okay, how can we rework, re-engineer, redesign this house to bring the cost down? That's simply what it means. Great suggestion that you have. Glad we're going to share that interview because it's really good information. And that's a great takeaway for people, too, is do not get discouraged with this process. We always, with our clients, we have the original, the initial design, the initial budget. Nine times out of 10, we're still tweaking that house to be able to meet the budget that they're looking for. But we tell them going in, this is part of the process. Just understand and be patient and, and know that we're, we're working you through this with the ultimate goal of delivering you the home you want within your budget. Well, and speaking of um, budgets, if you are you know, wanting to do something really cool with your house and figure out where you wanna prioritize things, we have a home up in Utah that we're building a pickleball corner. <laughs> yeah, believe it or not, pickleball, as you know, has exploded across the country. And if there's one thing that we learned through the pandemic is that people are really prioritizing their home and, and what's in the home and how they're using the home and whether it's Zoom rooms for kids, which we talked about, you know, last year for kids or actually parents who are, are still working from the home. A lot of our Utah clients are able to work remote. So they've moved to Utah because there's such awesome outdoor recreation. Um, and so that kind of ties back into this whole thing of, of pickleball courts. One of our clients absolutely wants an indoor pickleball court because that's something that their family loves to do and they want to be comfortable in their home. And so when you and I started talking about what we're going to be doing for, for season five, one of the things that really stood out to both of us is that people are looking for very unique features within their home, swimming pools, putting greens, uh, bowling alleys, volleyball courts, basketball courts, you name it. And so we're starting to see more and more of that around the country. 
And so when you and I were talking about, okay, what kind of a guest I did, I went to, you know, a couple of HBA handbooks because I wanted to start to look up contractors. And I happened to run across Dale and Scott Hendrickson of TD Sports West. They're, they're out in the uh, California and the, the Utah area, all out West. And uh, really had an interesting conversation with Scott initially. And I told you about it and you got excited, right? Right. And, um, you know, I would say that this interview was a slam dunk. (laughs) Wouldn't you say? I would say it was absolutely a slam dunk. We had a chance to talk with Scott and Dale. And, uh, yeah, I'll go with that. It was a slam dunk. Dale and Scott, it is uh, a pleasure to have you join us. And there's there's a lot of questions we have for you guys, but let's start at the beginning. And Dale, I understand you actually started TD Sports West, you know, not to uh, to label how old you might be, but several decades ago. Well, decades so t- is a good number. <laughs> so tell us, uh, tell us when you started and why you started and, and kind of what the market was like back then. In 1987, so it's been 35 years, I was a newlywed and ran into the sport court company in Salt Lake City, Utah. And my wife uh, is an attorney and had a job offer in Washington, DC. And I had been familiar with the sport court company before and their products. It's a, it was basically the concept of a backyard, multi-purpose court that's about a third to a fourth the size of a tennis court, yet you can play a dozen different sports and games on it. And I knew about it and I said, hey, I, you know, I was in real estate development at the time. I had a construction background. I said, I love your product. Do you have anything going on in the Washington, D.C. area? And they had not. And I was the first what they call sport court distributor east of the Mississippi River at the time. It's a company started in 1974 in Seattle, and they moved to Salt Lake City in 1979, where they started their production manufacturing plant there. And it was a great experience uh you know never lived on the east coast i grew up in california and probably in life you want to pursue your passions and my passion was sports i grew up playing every sport and i played a little bit of college baseball and my degree was in construction engineering so essentially this business it was a marriage of my two passions of sports and construction and it's been a great ride but I was very active in all sports, the five bigs, right? Which you know, back in the 60s and 70s would be football, basketball, baseball, tennis, and golf. And fortunately, at the age of 65, I can still play a little bit of basketball, but a lot of tennis and golf. Uh, I ended up excelling in baseball and basketball in high school, was recruited a lot for basketball out of high school, but I saw I had more of a future in baseball. So I played uh, a little bit of co- three years of college ball and ended up at Brigham Young University. And you said that you've been playing sports for quite a while and you've been doing this for quite a while as well. So the evolution of different sports and popularity is probably something that you're pretty familiar with. Yes, of course. Uh, you know, we kind of follow the U.S. sporting goods manufacturing data, which shows, you know, what they call player participants, which means if you play a particular sport, one hour in one given year, you are a player participant. And the number one sport in America, it's maybe hard to believe, but it's actually bowling because uh, everybody, everybody bowls for an hour, right? A year. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but I think right up there is basketball has always been popular. Tennis peaked in 1990 with about 32 million recreational players. And then, and then it kind of went in the early 2000s, it dropped to about 12 or 13 million. It's peaked up a little bit and, and got a little COVID bump 
so there's about 20 million active tennis players now, 55 million active basketball players, and then all the other sports, baseball, football, uh, volleyball, all of those are in the 15 to 25 million recreational players in the United States. But the sport that's going crazy right now is pickleball. <laughs> you know that I, I have that on our list to talk about. I can't believe how quickly that sport has grown. And I have to believe it's greatly affected your business. It, it has. Uh, a little background. Pickleball started in 1965 in Bainbridge Island, Washington. And nine years later, Sport Court started in Seattle, just inland from that. So the two actually got together where we were the official, the Sport Court company. And, but we were doing all the promotions and trying to help develop their sport. When, we, when the company moved to Salt Lake City in 79, Pickleball wanted to be attached to us. And so they wanted some money for every court we built. And that kind of made the owner of Sport Court go sideways. But the, the popularity of Pickleball is really, it's a tenfold increase just in the last 10 years. It's growing at a clip at about 22% a year. It's about 5 million recreational players right now. I have my foot in two industries. One is the sport court uh, world network of dealers, and mostly in the United States. And also, I'm on the board of directors of American Sports Builders Association. So I kind of oversee two large groups of court builders, so maybe 800 builders throughout the country. And we can't keep up with the demand for pickleball right now. It is wild. This podcast is sponsored by Pella Windows and Doors. Pella is the industry leader in innovation and style. Windows have become a key element in home design, and Pella has the product and professionals to guide you to your perfect solution. Pella is cutting edge in energy efficiency, durability, and performance. If you're tired of looking through screens, check out the Pella Integrated Roll Screen that you won't see until you need it. Pella offers the broadest selection of premium products to meet any budget and any design inspiration. Allow Pella to show you what they can do to improve the style and comfort of your home. With Pella's limited lifetime warranty, you won't have to worry about windows and doors again. Call 314-714-0100 to make an appointment or visit our showroom in Chesterfield Valley. When you're talking about being part of the American sports builders, does that mean you also do commercial or parks and things like that? Or are you primarily residential? The sport court business was primarily residential in the beginning, but it's about 50-50 commercial residential now. And I'm a dealer of the sport court products with exclusivity. There's other products we carry as well, but that's our main brand. And that's what opens up doors and people are very familiar with it. And Scott, you are um, heavily involved in the Utah operation, and we've been talking about pickleball courts and all. What what other trends are you seeing today? I think everything right now, especially in the residential realm, is is focused on the combination court, the combo court, we like to call it, which is pickleball and basketball. Um, in, in a residential backyard, that size of a court, which is generally between 1,500 to 1,800 square feet, it, it turns out to be very efficient for the space and be able to play full court pickleball and have a full half court basketball court uh, to put both of those sports into one to be relatively concise with the space and the use, which I think is really, really taking off. I think that's that's the biggest 
demand that we have right now is everyone's asking for pickleball basketball, pickleball basketball, especially in Utah. I, I mean, I'm assuming it's other parts of the country as well, but that's a majority of the requests that we get. I'm a little bit of a, a gossip hound sometimes. Do you guys ever work with celebrities or professional sports players to install oh, courts at their house? They'll <laughs> go on and on about that one. <laughs> I go on and on about that. You know, okay. name your favorite sports celebrity or movie star. We've probably built one. You know, what's interesting is, you know, a lot of them like to be, have handlers but it's interesting that some of them are pretty fun. I mean, we've built courts for Tom Cruise, Sylvester Stallone, Justin Timberlake, Ben Affleck. And I'm not real too enamored with, you know, the Hollywood types, but the athletics. My childhood hero growing up was a guy named Rick Barry, uh, who was the guy who shot the underhand free throw for the Warriors. And, and I built a court for him and now we're email buddies. It's so funny how, you know, he was my hero growing up and now we're, we have a relationship. But we've done some really fun things that you've probably seen. Most recently, uh, we built the court for LeBron James' home in the movie Space Jam 2. And I actually kept the basketball hoops, and they're now in my house. And uh, you might be familiar with Dodgeball, the movie that came out a few years ago. We oh, built yeah. that court. Uh, we did Escape from L.A. starring Kurt Russell, where at the end of the movie – there's a basketball court at the L.A. Coliseum that we built, and we, they blew it up and set it on fire. That was pretty cool. <laughs> uh, and we've done several reality TV shows, but it's, it's been pretty fun, especially having an office in Southern California, which is a destination place that uh, people like to live. As Scott mentioned the size of courts. You know, being in Southern California for so many years, we were seeing that the court sizes were changing because the backyards were getting so much smaller. It was more trending now towards just a basketball half court as opposed to, to a multi-purpose court that could be up to 2,000, 2,400 square feet. We're seeing an average backyard being 800 square feet now for a basketball court. Well, and that makes me wonder. I, we talked about celebrities, and everybody knows they you know, can do these really cool sport courts. But with the pandemic, I would assume that more of us average Joes, pulling on that dodgeball reference there, um, have added sport courts to their home design as well. And are those significantly different? Well, within within the world of designing a home, I think it's become part of the trend in, in designing these custom homes to include amenities that people want, you know, whether that be gyms or home gyms, indoor, outdoor basketball. It's it's really part of custom home building now is is to have that part of the home. Scott I have a very important question. Did you know that your dad was out there hobnobbing with all the celebrities this this whole time? <laughs> well, yeah, I did. Yeah, I hope. You so, got, I mean, I, I, I hope you got some of the perks too. <laughs> a little bit, yeah. I mean, it's it's a big world out there in Southern California, and that's where I grew up. I actually came to school out in Utah as well, and then actually got married and stuck around here, and. Uh, kind of fell into the business about four years ago. So I've, I've grown up with my dad's company and I've seen all of the accolades and, you know, the the big stuff that's been going on. And when he's met celebrities and, you know, photo shoots and stuff with like Kobe and Shaq and, you know, some big time athletes that I used to follow, especially being a, a Lakers fan growing up. It's It's been really fun to just kind of watch and, and see the evolution. It's, it's, it's a little different of a market, obviously, up here in Utah. 
it's been such a fun, fun ride to, to be able to learn from the master, as I call it. <laughs> and Scott, we've been talking um, about outdoor sport courts and, and activities, but I know an architect that uh, that we work with quite often out in the northern Utah area who's been incorporating indoor courts, basketball and volleyball and you name it. What percentage of the work that you guys are doing is related to indoor courts? And what do we need to know about it as, as custom home builders as far as, you know, getting our clients um, involved with that? That's a great question. Um, I, I'd say probably our indoor business is probably close to about 20 percent. Uh, majority of it is still outdoors just because especially in Utah, there's just a lot more land and the bigger the lots. And so people just generally want to put them outdoors. But that being said, here in Utah, we also do have that weather that comes around uh, every once in a while, unlike in California, uh, where it is more desirable to have some stuff indoors. And as, as far as a builder, what, what would be good to know is really it's just planning on the right space because we, we've seen quite a few indoor gyms that either don't have the right ceiling height um, or don't have the right space to be able to fit the sports that their clients are wanting. So I think just the biggest thing going into it is just having an understanding as an architect or as a designer, as a home builder of what your client wants to play, what sport do they want to play and what space do you need to incorporate with that? Because if it's basketball, you need a higher ceiling height, right? You can't be shooting your three point uh, shots (laughs) and hit the ceiling. With pickleball, you have to have a certain amount of space as well as beyond uh, the service line. And that, that can be pretty big, especially indoors in a, inside of a home, if, if it's in a basement usually. Truly getting the architect or designer involved early with the clients and getting you all involved early with the process is something that's going to be critical in, in making this a successful part of the project. That is correct. You know, we see a lot of designs where obviously they were pulling information off of old periodicals and and not really seeing what kind of setbacks and requirements. And I've said this over the years, even for on the outdoor course, I've never had a customer complain about building a court too big, only too small. And so that's, I think in the beginning, especially with designers and builders, it's just to set expectations. Most of the home gyms we're seeing going in in Utah and Idaho are under the garage. And so usually the footprint of the garage is the footprint of the gym. I haven't seen too many issues regarding ceiling height, but definitely the size. People always want to play pickleball. In the home gyms, we don't really build the structure. We, we come in and we'll do you know, the hoop systems and the adjustable net systems and the surface, but we're not involved in the lights or the construction or the design of the size. So we, we basically try to make it work and make it fit based upon what we've given. But you're right. It would be nice to you know, be in the uh, front end working with the architect and the homeowner in the beginning. So I can picture what a basketball slash pickleball court would look like. And I can imagine, you know, somebody building a bowling alley, but you know, what other sports do you really see being built out? About 25 years ago, we started building synthetic putting greens and we've probably built about a thousand of those. And other things we're seeing a lot is custom batting cages. We just uh, finished a basement portable lacrosse cage that ceiling didn't have to be quite as high but if it's sports you know we kind of shy away from pools rock climbing and zip lines primarily from a liability standpoint but we've done almost anything else for any other sport uh, that they want to play or practice at home 
I'd say melody along those lines. Another one of the big ones is, I mean, obviously pickleball, basketball are huge right now, but volleyball sometimes comes still into play. I think especially in Utah, there's a really big women's volleyball pole um, and, and still all over the country as well, especially with women's volleyball. There's there's quite a few sports that, that sport court used to focus on, like badminton and pop tennis and paddle tennis and, and stuff like that, that just we don't see quite as much anymore like or interest. I don't know if it's, I would say it's dying or not, but it's it's definitely not on people's radar quite as much anymore. So this has been a fun conversation, great information, but I've got to bring us back to reality here because that's my job as a custom home builder. I'm usually the keeper of the budget and the client looks to me when we start talking about a lot of these fun things that can be built into their homes. Give me guys just a price range. If somebody's looking to do kind of a combo, let's say pickleball, basketball, or even a, a basketball tennis. I mean, what type of a budget range should one plan on if they're going to do something fun like this? That's a good question as well. And that that's really hard to answer very specifically because um, it, it also depends on indoor versus outdoor. And as far as our contract size for indoor stuff, it just depends on the size and how many components we're doing, such as if it's net systems or hoops. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, but that could be anywhere from 10 to 20 to 25,000 usually is kind of in that range. With outdoor, um, usually we have, to, we, we are involved with the concrete work as well. And um, there's three things that kind of go into the the pricing of a court. The first one being the size of the court, which is always custom. The second one being the site work that's involved. So if the area is flat, graded, ready to go, then that eliminates some of the cost on our side. But if they have to do some grading, add some retaining walls, et cetera, et cetera, pull out sod if it's an existing backyard. And then uh, the third one is also the, the components. So that's hoops, lights, nets. Uh, fencing, custom logos. So it's kind of a general range. It really does depend on what size is, is kind of def- defined a little bit better. So if we're saying like a pickleball basketball combination court, you're probably going to be somewhere close to the thirty to $40,000 range. If you're starting to add more components like lights and logos and bigger sizes, and there's some grading work that's involved as well, that comes into play as well. And then you're getting up to the 60, 70, 80,000. And for a uh... A reference, a good tennis court with fencing and lighting now is a, on a flat site is about 150000 Also for a reference, swimming pools. I mean, you're talking, if you're going to do a, a gunite pool, custom pool, you're talking probably a minimum of one hundred and fifty. So the prices that we're discussing here with you, and again, I, I understand that it depends upon the size and, and complexity, but some of the prices that Scott was mentioning, I think are very reasonable. Plus on a, on a court, that's basically year round. I mean, I live up in Heber Valley and, you know, I being from California, this white stuff that falls out of the sky is kind of unusual, but with this, this cushioned surface that sport court has, and Scott will mention it in a second, putting a blade snow shovel, it, it's like butter. And I, I could clear my 2000 square foot court in about five minutes. And so the multi-purpose court can be used year round where pool is so limited especially in Utah. And people think that you can swim year round in California. Not really. You can't. But it's not only the limited amount of time, but it's also high maintenance. And that's why a backyard court is so much more popular, just because there's less maintenance and more use out of it. So Scott, why don't you talk a little bit about this really cool surface that Sport Court has come up with? Yeah, it's it's been out for a long time. Basically, the idea behind the sport court surfacing that, that has kind of evolved over the years and has engineered and gotten better over the years is 
is is kind of what I like to tell my clients is it's as if we're going into an indoor hardwood gym where you have that suspended hardwood floor. That floor gives you shock absorption and support and cushion uh, vertically. And it also has that urethane finish to give you that traction and low skin abrasion, meaning it's a smooth surface. The idea behind the outdoor surface, the tile, is that we're taking those benefits indoors, but also taking it outdoors and throwing on top of it, being able to withstand the elements, especially the UV with the sun uh, and the rain and snow, if, if, if in our case here in Utah, so uh, while being low maintenance. So here we are, we have the sport court surface that has all of those benefits. It's the shock absorption surface. It has 100% ball response depending on the sport and with the performance traction and low skin abrasion while having a 15-year or a 20-year limited warranty on the surface as well. So it, we, we kind of tell our clients that it lasts about 30 plus years, but we have seen courts that are have been as old as 40 years here in Utah that have that sport court surface that are still there and still functioning. So it's a long lasting performance surface, which especially in the residential area, it's, it's a safety surface. It's safe for kids. Concrete is just one of the worst surfaces to play sports on period. It doesn't matter what sport you're playing. It is just the worst on the body. And especially over time, you'll start to see that. Now, Dale grew up playing a lot of tennis, and he could tell you all about all the different surgeries and, and, <laughs> and the things that he's gone through in his life. And, and boy, is he glad that he has that cushioned surface now that Sport Corps provides. Have you guys ever done any skateboard half pipes? You were talking about concrete. I can't imagine what material would be better for skateboarding than concrete. Sport Corps, about 20 years ago, when the inline skate phenomenon was catching on provided uh what we call accessories on a court cushion surface that scott was mentioned is very durable so it can really take a beating even when you're roller skating inline skating or playing hockey on it but they came up with some accessories that, that were are polypropylene modules that you can kind of link together so you can have some sort of you know jumping and skating and that sort of thing in that world but for, from a half pipe standpoint you're that's major construction and when you get something that starts going up in the air, especially on the residential side, uh, you're going to get a lot of eyebrows raised from neighbors and they're going to be calling the city and, and you're going to deal with a lot of unique challenges in there. I think we, we've stayed away from that primarily from a liability standpoint. <laughs> Makes sense. Now more than ever, it's important for you and your family to enjoy the spaces you're in most often. Count on the experts at Ferguson Bath, Kitchen, and Lighting Gallery to help you make the most of home and create a space you'll love to live in together. Shop online or schedule a personalized consultation to discover stunning products from the comfort of your own home. Let's look into the future a little bit here. What is the next big sport that you think is going to be on the radar for sports enthusiasts that you guys will participate in? You know, it's interesting you said, I mentioned earlier, I was on this board, American Sports Builder Association, and I had the great honor with three others on the board to actually write and produce the official pickleball construction manual, which came out about a year and a half ago. And we're actually working on another manual now called Sports and Recreation. It's going to be about 350 pages, and it's going to include all sports 
that are popular in America. And kind of the, the rule is if, if you can hold a adult beverage in one hand and play the sport with the other, that's not going to be in the manual. But then I saw you can play ping pong and cornhole with an adult beverage in one hand. So we're actually including a few of them. But one of the sports that's going to be in there is anything that's a fad that's attached to you know media. And right now, we're going to put Quidditch in that manual as well. And Quidditch, if you've ever seen it, a lot of colleges are doing these clubs where they just, it's kind of like a combination of soccer and, and riding a uh, witch's broom, which is pretty funny. But uh, as far as trending of new sports, I think you're going to see a solidification of, of most of the of sports that we're involved in. Like we're not going to do much baseball, football, and soccer just because there's so much space is needed. But I think you're going to see, especially in America, a sport called futsal. That's spelled mm-hmm. F-U-T-S-A-L. And it's, it's essentially is miniature soccer. And it'd be anywhere from, let's say, 3,000 to 8,000 square feet area. And we've done a lot of futsal facilities in Southern California uh, because of the large Hispanic and soccer popularity there. And you can see that rocket because futsal more focuses on dribbling and passing versus you know, long hits or kicks. Um, and it's five on five with a, f- a floating uh, goalie if you need it. So we're seeing futsal pick up some speed. Another sport that's uh, started in Europe, uh, primarily in Spain, is a sport called padel, P-A-D-E-L. And we just signed an, a, a five-state exclusive contract to be the official padel representatives and builders. And essentially, it's a court that's a little bigger than our standard backyard multi-purpose court but it's got glass walls on the end and tight walls of wire mesh on the sides. It's a combination between pop tennis, which used to be called paddle tennis, and uh, racquetball. So you can play off the wall. So I would recommend anybody listening to this podcast, go on YouTube and look uh, look up Padel Championships. And it is a wild, fun sport. I played it for the first time in Florida a few months ago. And I, it was a lot more like tennis than I anticipated. And it was stinking fun. But there are more padel courts in Spain and Sweden than there are tennis courts now. So we're going to see a, start, a boom of that uh, in America. Very interesting. But I, I will say this, Dale. When you brought up Quidditch, Melody's eyes and the expression on her face lit up like it was Christmas. It was unbelievable. So apparently, Melody, you're in favor of Quidditch? I mean, anyone who has read the Harry Potter books for 20 years plus, you know, know, we've even done the sorting hats. We're big Harry Potter fans. Oh, that's hilarious. I'm a Hufflepuff. (laughs) There there you go, Hufflepuff. Yes. I'm going to put you on my list for a signed copy of this new manual that comes out. It'll be out in about a year. That, <laughs> I am down for that. So, um, you know, we have listeners all over the country who are at different phases in their construction journey. Some people that um, write in and listen to us are actually doing renovations um, on their homes. And so it sounds like a lot of this stuff, when you're talking indoor, has to be really before you start building. And if you're doing something that's in your home that's already been built, you primarily have to do that outside. Am I right in thinking that or um, did I miss something? Yeah, if you're on a smaller lot, it's a half acre or less, you know, a home gym or an indoor facility is going to have to be pre-planned before the home is constructed. 
So Dale, I'm going to give you a chance here to tell us, tell our listeners a little bit more about your company. What parts of the country do you serve and what are, what are the best ways for everybody to get in touch with you guys? My main office is in Southern California and that office handles all of Southern California uh, and Las Vegas. And then we have an office in Salt Lake City, which handles Idaho, Utah, Northern Nevada, and Western Wyoming. And my company is called TD Sports West. We're actually rebranding. We're going to be called Sports West Construction. So you can look up sportcourt.com, sportcourtwest.com, sportcourtsoutherncalifornia.com, tdsportswest.com, or now sportswestconstruction.com. And they all link, come back to a main website. But if there's anybody else across the country that's not in those areas, we have access to an extreme network of about 220 sport court network partners throughout the country and also through my ASBA, American Sports Builder Association relationships. We can find a builder in East Cupcake, Nebraska. <laughs> I, I can tell you that we have a lot of listeners in the Southern California and obviously the uh, the Utah market. So. Um, hopefully they've enjoyed this conversation. Hopefully they've learned a lot and laughed a little bit. Dale and Scott, you guys have been absolutely terrific. We can't thank you enough for joining us. And um, it's, it's truly been a pleasure. And, and we look forward to, uh, to doing some connecting and doing some work in person with you guys. Thanks, Kim. Great experience. Thank you so much for the opportunity. It's been really fun. Appreciate it. Melody, I'm absolutely blown away at some of the experiences and some of the people that Dale has met. I mean, seriously, when I first started talking to Scott about joining us on this podcast, I had no idea until we did the interview with Dale and found out some of the people he was rubbing shoulders with. I know. And some of the things that he's even done within the industry. Mm-hmm. I had, he's an industry leader. Right. You know, that pickleball manual for the courts. And we're, of course, going to bring up Quidditch because <laughs> I can't let that one go. No, you can't. It, I, I wish everybody could have seen the smile on your face when he mentioned Quidditch. It was priceless. And I knew he had he had really hooked you at that point. Yeah. All those Harry Potter fans out there know, um, <laughs> you know, what I'm feeling. And I'm probably going to call him and ask for that signed manual. <laughs> It truly is amazing, though, where that part of the industry is going. And what I liked about it, too, is he said that they would act as a resource. So anybody across the country who might be listening to the podcast, who might be interested in doing something unique with their own space, you know, reach out to Dale, reach out to Scott. They are happy to help you and and put you in touch with someone locally who can help with your project. And of course, we're going to link to them from our show notes Mm -hmm. and also link to sportcourt.com because you can go in there and you can input, you know, your favorite sports, the dimensions of your yard and find out what you could actually do with your space if you're looking to add something to a pre-existing home that's not completely impossible. Good information there. Um, So we are off and running on season five. Very excited about that. Episode two is coming up next, and we're going to continue the conversation, obviously, about building your dream home and some of the important things that go into it. We're known as a high-performance builder, so we are going to spend a little bit of time talking about sustainability. We're also going to be talking about healthy housing. So that should be an interesting conversation we have coming up in episode number two. Yeah, and I think there's a lot of information for people all over the country that they'll be able to use when it comes to healthy homes, indoor air quality, and even durability. And I'm really excited to talk about our Hits Healthy Homes initiative, too, one of my babies that we're going to launch. And you've done a great job launching it. We will talk about that and much more 
on episode two, season five of The Art of Custom, and we'll see everybody then. For more information, visit www.artofcustompodcast.com or find us on Facebook as The Art of Custom and on Twitter at Art of Custom Pod. Be sure to subscribe on iTunes, Stitcher, or wherever you get your podcasts to get the latest episodes and please rate and review to help us grow. The Art of Custom is produced by Hug Monster Sound with original music by Adam Frick-Verdine. Thanks for listening.